From time to time, during the How Did We Miss That podcast, we may talk about details of crimes that some may find triggering or disturbing. Listener discretion is highly advised. We missed that. Hello, good evening. Good day. Welcome. Hi. Good day. Good day to you. Good day. I said good day. Yes, you did. (laughs) All right. Well, we are back. Welcome back to the How Did We Miss That podcast. I'm Christine. And I'm John. Are you sure about that? You look like you're not so sure. Who you are? I'm today. Cer- I'm definitely sure, but we do another podcast where we reverse that, and so I get a little confused. Right. Okay. I'm a man, and I got a lot going on. I'm easily confused. Mm. All right. As most have probably heard during this podcast or the others, but <laughs> I do the best I can. Okay. Well, this is the podcast where we tell you about some crazy crimes and conspiracies, and I got a good one for you guys today. Crazy. Yeah. This one's crazy. I kind of teased it last week. So I'm excited to tell you about this. Is it? It's another family uh, obliterator, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so quickly before I begin, the sources for my story are from a AssociatedContent.com article called "The Ronald Gene Simmons Story" by Anna Swan from May of 2006, and another article from an Arkansas magazine by Angela Swanland. So I told you last week, we talked about family annihilators. I like obliterator better, but annihilator works too. Right. So these are people that for some reason, they feel like they don't have any other way out. And this is all they've got is to just completely take out their whole family. Oh, so this is a topic that I've been interested in for a little while. It's it's like psychological wise, psychology. Logical, I don't know, whatever. I think you were right the first time. It's it's interesting to me to to think like what is going on in these people's heads. So as I was doing some research, I found some really interesting facts that I wanted to share with you about family annihilators. So 55% of family annihilators are actually aged in their 30s. So it's interesting to me. Mm, yeah. I'm like, I wonder what it is about <clears throat> that <throat> age group that what's the correlation there? Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't get it. Family annihilators are more likely to be a Caucasian male who is usually the father, son, or brother of the victims, or a combination, obviously, of those things. So, real quick, I have a thought about the first thing you said. 30s is kind of young for a family, I guess, if you're doing it right. Right. You know, so maybe that's why they're just new to the family thing, and it wasn't what they thought it was going to be, so... Yeah, or, you know, sometimes in your 30s, if you haven't, like, moved out of your parents' house yet, it's kind of a bad thing. So, these people aren't just people that kill their spouse and their children, uh, you know, those are the ones I've done, but there are some that kill their oh, parents. True. Or, yeah, good point. Um, like the Thanksgiving one where he mm-hmm. killed his sisters and his, you know. Yeah, yeah, that's a. So I was thinking more about the parent angle, but that's a good that's a good point. Yeah, right. The children of the family annihilator are often too young to yet be in school, so we know how that is, right? Having kids that are super duper young that are constantly with you all day, and you have no choice but to take care of them twenty four seven. Yes, there's a lot going on too in that age group. And when you have the kids, like if you're not where you are, where you want to be in life financially, there's a lot of stressors going on to where, yeah, I mean, some people take it a step further than killing themselves. They kill everybody. 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 They usually have no former criminal history or history of mental illness and have a high profile or high paying job. That was interesting. But that just adds more to the stress, I would think. Yeah, you absolutely. I, we've been there. I feel it. Geological isolation is a key factor in most family annihilator stories. And we're going to hear that um, in this one tonight. Death is often carried out in a violent manner, such as gunshot, knife, or hammer. Hold on a minute. I'm truly not sure. making fun of you, but you said geological isolation or geographical? Geological is the word that they have used here in the so, article that so I found all these facts from. Isolated from rocks? <laughs> I'm confused. I'm sure it... I, I have no idea. Yeah, I'd have to weird. look that up, but that's what it that, says. That's why I, uh, ge- geographical isolation, which we are experiencing, sure. is tough. I get it. So, right. That's I, why I, I thought that's it. what that's it was. That's just what it's... 
says. I'm definitely looking that up. Should probably keep keep reading. Check my facts, I guess. No, no, I'm reading. I'm looking <laughs> um, that up. The killer will often ensure escape routes are cut off in advance, and they've also possibly taken out a life insurance policy on the wife, the family, or both in this case. 20% of all types of family annihilation occur in the month of August. I thought that was really strange. Like, what is it about August? I mean, I would think that there would be higher stress months out there, like, you know, December, for example. Yeah. With Christmas and everything going on. It's the end of the year. you got taxes coming out. Like, it's crazy. It's a stressful time. Yes, that is. So I wonder is, what August has to do with anything. That's absolutely true. But I can tell you as a former theme park worker that people lose their fucking mind in the summertime when it's hot oh, yeah. and sweaty. And uh, yeah, but I mean, that was in a theme park setting where it's already crowded <laughs> in a total shit show. Right. Just in life in general. But I guess if you have no AC and no pool and no way to cool off, the heat really messes with your mind, man. Yeah, it does. I could see how it could. So here are some of the key drivers of an attack on a family. Maybe there was expulsion from the home. So they've gotten kicked out of their house somehow. There was a real threat of separation, like from a spouse or something like that, or parents saying you need to get out. Um, There's alleged or perceived infidelity. Access to the children is being cut off. They want to be free from their family so they can take up with a mistress, which I've heard a couple of times. I actually just heard a story of a family annihilator who killed his wife and his two sons um, because he had a mistress and wanted Hmm. to be rid of them. Okay. Um, To hide financial problems, for example, spending on a mistress or a gambling problem, the burden of a new pregnancy and additional children that they cannot afford or do not want to raise, or not being mentioned in a will. So that could be a reason for killing parents. We've talked about wives and children, but... You know, sometimes you don't, parents are. If thing. you don't mention me in your will, I'm going to kill you. Oh, okay, wait. perfect. So, real quick, geological isolation actually means geographical isolation. Oh, so there you interesting. go. Interesting. Yeah. Was it one of those things in the dictionary, like when you look up something like jumping and it says to jump, and you're like, that doesn't help me. Not quite, but it was. It's reference to an older term when we're talking about species in general. Got it. So that's where okay. the geological part comes in because they're talking about like bodies of water and actual geology versus geography but it translates to people got it. as geographical so we're both right see ding i love it Alrighty, and my last fact for right now is 81 percent of family annihilators will attempt suicide after the fact like i can't imagine why you would ever want to be alive when your whole entire family is just gone yeah that i don't i i never understood that but i guess if you really hate them yeah you know, i mean i guess Still, though, I think some of those people feel that after the fact, after the initial adrenaline rush of I'm going to kill all my family, I think they start to come down and, oh, my God, what did I do? Right. So in a lot of the stories that I have read, because like I said, this is something that really interests me, the the mindset of these people really interests me. So I've read stories about this quite a lot. And most of them are not that they hate them. It's actually for things like um, they're worried about, like our last story, they're worried about how society is going to perceive them or Mm -hmm. um, they're scared that some sort of religious thing is going to happen to them. So they'd rather them just die and not have to deal with that or or people that are like end of the world, you know, end of the world's coming. People like that are usually the ones that annihilate their family or like we have seen the guy in, what was it, Colorado who killed his wife and his two daughters yeah you know had a mistress right (laughs) so it's not so much that they hate them it's something else going on yeah listen the biggest component even though it may never be proved in a court of law or anything is clearly mental illness for anybody family annihilators or otherwise you have to have your wires crossed to actually do it right yeah some people may think about it i'm not i'm not going there but some people have (laughs) actually thought about that and then, you know, they come to their senses like, I can't really do that. But the people that really do it, there's mental illness there for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Well, okay. So like I said, we've been talking about these for a couple weeks. Kind of teased last week that I was going to talk about another one. So here is the story of Ronald Jean Simmons. The lead singer of, of Kiss. I know, right? The lead singer of Kiss. Long Gene Simmons. Makeup. No. Yeah. This is Ronald Gene Simmons. <laughs> gotcha. And, you know, the Gene part was probably never spoken about until he killed people. Of course. So Absolutely. he just went by old Ron Simmons. Good old Ronnie. Good old Ronnie. It has been almost 30 years since Ronald Gene Simmons was put to death by lethal injection. Yet, the mention of his name around Pope, Yell, or Johnson County, Arkansas 
still sparks fear in the hearts and minds of the locals who remember the news around Christmas of 1987. That's why I chose this. Perfect you were dates. all about the 80s with the uh, I do. stories it on is. this show. I feel like so. Hmm. Well, obviously you missed them because you were a kid. I feel like. <laughs> that right. <makes> sense. <laughs> I feel like the stories. So, no, this is the reason I chose this one is like, don't you think we would have heard about someone who killed 16 people in their family? Like, I feel like that should be up there with your Zodiac killers and your, you know, John Wayne Gacy's and everybody we've all heard of. Yeah, that's weird you bring that up. I, I went to a uh, seminar one time about mass shootings, school shootings and stuff, and there yeah. was this huge list of right. them that I had never even knew ever occurred. There's the big ones, Columbine, Sandy Hook, whatever. But there were so many throughout history, some going back to like the 70s that I had, and me as a professional of security and terrorism and all that stuff that should know that no clue no idea about this huge list i mean it was long right so i mean you're, you're right i think some of these things just depending on what's going on in the news cycle or whatever wherever you were in your life they just get missed that's why we have this show right exactly i was just listening to um i think it was the crime junkie podcast they were talking about the murder of chandra levy do you remember that yes that does yeah so um, the name sounds very familiar, but I know Gary not sure. Condit in 2001. It was a, yeah, yeah, yeah. Was a, yeah. Yeah. So they were talking about her murder and how it was like big in the news. And then all of a sudden 9 11 hit. Yeah. And it's right. like, it's gone. Right. Like we completely forgot about mm-hmm. all of the situation. It didn't come back up for, a, you know, a while afterward. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I don't know what's going on in history and in the news at this point in time, but I just feel like for whatever reason, this is just not something people talk about. I, I mean, I, I looked it up. And there are quite a few different podcasts on this particular yeah. person, but none of like the big ones, the ones that people are, you know, right, everybody talks right. about and everyone's done. They haven't yeah. done this. So it was something that I was like, how, you know, have we not heard of this man? Well, I think since we're, you know, right in the thick of the holidays talking about killing your family and maybe giving some tips on how to do it. Very timely. Agreed. We're here for your advice, people. So Ronald Gene Simmons was a retired Air Force sergeant and Vietnam veteran. So right away, I'm already thinking we probably have some mental breakdown going on. Yes. Not the easiest time period to be alive in. So, yeah, he was well known in Cloudcroft, New Mexico, as someone most people feared. Cloudcroft? Cloudcroft. That sounds like a New Mexico. pleasant place in New Mexico. It does. Doesn't that sound lovely? We've driven through New Mexico. Not so pleasant, most of it. Oh, it's just desolate. Yeah, it's not terrible. It's just it it, it really is New Mexico. It's New Mexico. Because on the other side of the fence was Mexico and it didn't look much different. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, friends and acquaintances mentioned that he always had a beer in his hand. So I have some friends who always have coffee in their hands, but this is interesting. I generally have both coffee in the left and beer in the right. Non-stop. <laughs> yeah. In 1981, it was reported to authorities that Simmons was molesting his daughter. And so the family decided to flee. He was seen giving her more than friendly kisses goodbye each morning. And eventually she admitted to a school counselor that she was pregnant with his baby. Gross. Yeah. How old? Uh, it doesn't say. Well, obviously old enough to conceive. So I guess. Right. Oh, yeah. But you can. Some kids can do that at like nine. Well, yeah. That's I mean, disgusting. yes. Isn't that gross? Yeah. As a parent of a of a daughter, that's. I don't like hearing that. Yeah, no. So charges were filed, but they had to be dropped since the Simmons family had disappeared. Almost a year later. So they, it says almost a year later, but when I was reading this, I was like, what did they just like vanish for a year? But they actually did travel from city to city, but because they were so secretive, there isn't really record of where they were until here a year later where they surfaced in Dover, Arkansas. They were 15 miles outside of the main town in a remote and densely wooded area Basically, what they had done is they had taken two mobile homes and they joined them together, like kind of as best as you could, I guess. And they barricaded it like a fortress with cinder blocks and barbed wire. Ooh, that sounds like just the, uh, what am I trying to say? That is the American dream, man. You take your two yeah. mobile homes, you put them together, and then you barricade it, wires, you're good to go. That is like a hillbilly fortress right I'm there. I'm thinking, bada bing. that is daughter molesting central don't i tell you so simmons saw this as his kingdom and he was the king and he decided to call it mockingbird hill doesn't sound nice sounds so quaint and pleasant 
well, like we said last week, this uh, these pleasant sounding towns always have the most this stuff going on. Right. <laughs> it's because there's nothing else to do. You know that? Yeah. I mean, I guess so. You live in the big city. You can find yourself getting into other things and people. But when you live yeah, out. Yeah, there's like more to do. Yeah. When you live hobbies. out in small town hillbilly land, bad things happen. The driveway was dotted with several large no trespassing signs. The road leading to the home was badly rutted with like rocks and potholes everywhere. And at times it was impossible to enter when wet or slick from snow and ice. The yard was covered in piles of junk that Simmons claimed to be building materials. Please don't cover our yard with junk. It's not building materials. That's always the first sign of a little bit crazy is a. Uh all the junk in the yard for everybody to yeah. see like zero pride, zero curb appeal. I'm just going to put the no trespassing signs everywhere and all the junk. Right. So, he, I mean, he's got junk automobiles up on cinder blocks and like various stages of things being demolished and scattered everywhere. So it's just like a, it's junk. I yeah. mean, it's just junk. His family was the epitome of everything that social service workers and school counselors thought they were trained to spot. <laughs> and his strange lifestyle was something you would assume would draw attention and make people concerned. Yet this man and his family lived in this tiny Arkansas town, only 1.8 miles in size, with like 1,300 people, and they've just like completely unnoticed. And <laughs> like, yeah, probably not really unnoticed, just didn't want to see it. No, wait. You know what I mean? Wait. Yeah. Just his children wait. attended public school. His wife often attended a local church. And Simmons had worked several jobs in the nearby town of Russellville, Arkansas. Simmons worked a string of low-paying jobs, like I said, in that nearby town of Russellville. He quit a position as an accounts receivable clerk at Woodline Motor Freight after numerous, numerous. What is that word? I don't know, but this is becoming, <laughs> as the editor-in-chief and executive know, producer sorry. of the How Did We Miss That podcast, this is becoming a recurring theme. And I don't edit it out because, listen, this is a real show and real sure. people, and I like to Thanks. leave it in there. You're the best. Hey, you know, everybody stumbles over their words sometimes. Yeah. It's well, okay. I have decided to coin a new word. It is numerous. <laughs> numerous? Yes. Last week it, it was Paris. numerous. Last week it was Paris instead of police. Paris? I hope the listeners Paris? caught that. But. Okay, sorry. <laughs> Numerous reports of inappropriate sexual advances from his co-workers. He went to work at a Sinclair Mini Mart for approximately a year and a half before quitting on December 18th of 1987. Simmons' school-aged children were never allowed to attend school functions. Friends were never allowed to spend the night at the Simmons' home. But, I mean, why would you want to anyway, though? Yeah. I mean, if I were like a parent and I'm driving my kid up to spend the night, I'm thinking, mm, I forgot you're supposed to go to grandma's. We're not going to. I would probably turn around at the first no the trespassing first no sign. no trespassing sign <laughs> yeah. and huge pothole. Yeah. In or the, the first car on, on cinder blocks. <laughs> One right. of the two would say, nope, we're turning around. Well, just as nobody was allowed to spend the night at their house, they were also not allowed to spend the night at anyone else's house, which I feel bad for them because that might have been a nice break from whatever it is they're dealing with here. Later, school officials were interviewed about the Simmons children and only commented on having noticed that the children were always clean and ready to catch the bus in the mornings. Hmm. Although none of the Simmons children excelled in their studies, none drew attention by falling behind either. They were just run of the mill, which as a teacher, I will say those are some signs you're supposed to look for is like a huge decline in schoolwork and yeah, all those and behavior. behavior so. Cues, yeah. I mean, I guess I can see how maybe that helped them to not be noticed. There were no records of disciplinary actions for the Simmons children, and their attendance had been near perfect. When teachers were questioned about the children in their class, most commented that they really didn't know the children well. It seems incredible that these children could have attended such a small school for so long and managed to remain relatively unnoticed and unknown. I mean, it's, it's a tiny school. There's only 1,300 residents, period, in the entire town. So I can only imagine. It's kind of hard to lay low in that tiny. environment. Right. And it's not like there's only two children. There's, there's a few children. So, Well, hey, we're in a small town here that's much bigger than that. And it's hard to lay low here. Yeah. Everybody knows everyone's business. Right. So up until now, we've only talked about Ronald. But he did have a wife, Rebecca. She reportedly tried to leave him on several occasions. And witnesses who were interviewed later Remarked that they had noticed bruises on Rebecca's face and arms on numerous occasions. 
Oh, there's that numerous word again that I got right. <laughs> yeah. So she's got bruises. They, they're noticing this, but no one's reporting it. Uh, you know, no one's saying anything. People just sometimes people just mind their own business. They don't want to get involved. Yeah, you know? I guess the uh, Karen culture wasn't alive and well back then. So nobody was. Oh, my God. You know, well, the Simmons home had no telephone. They never received mail and they didn't ever send any mail from their rural box by the side of their driveway. Just sat empty. Is there anything in there about them being sovereign citizens? No. Hmm. No. Because they fit that bill. 100%. Yeah. Just before Christmas of 1987, Ronald Gene Simmons made a conscious decision to kill all of the members of his family. On the morning of December 22nd, Simmons drove to the local Walmart and purchased a 22 caliber handgun. I didn't know you could buy guns at Walmart. You can. Well, you can't not anymore. Know that. You used to be able to. They've they've gotten woke mm. since all the shooting nonsense. But yes, you used to be able to buy them there. I think you can still buy ammo there. Mm. Pretty sure. Okay. Well, when he returned home, he first bludgeoned and shot his son, Gene, and his wife, Rebecca. For a while, he left their bodies laying where they had fallen. Next, he focused his attention on his three-year-old daughter, Barbara. Simmons strangled little Barbara and wrapped her body in a black plastic trash bag. After having a beer, like you do. Like you do, yeah. Take the edge off. Right? Simmons dumped the bodies in a hole that he had made his children dig in the backyard several days prior. I, well, I can get behind that. I mean, I guess. <laughs> if you got to have work to do, let the children do it, I guess. Can I can I comment right quick? Yeah. Um, I'm using right quick now because we're talking about Podunk, Arkansas. Okay. This is going to sound really bad, audience. I'm sorry, but, you know, like. Killing your teenager, I can see where they could drive you to that. These guys that are killing the young kids, the three-year-old yeah, and last the week, babies. the 20-month-old. What the fuck? Like, I don't know. I know that all kids can be a little bit of I a can't imagine. Trouble. Like, I don't even think about it. I know. Like, First of all, just to kill anybody, period, regardless of their age, but your own child, that age. I don't know. Just, but think about what their face probably is looking like at you and it's just like how can you possibly whatever oh my god it's incredible yeah again he dumped the bodies in the hole now he's sitting back and he's waiting for the return of his other children so his other children are at school when they arrived off the bus he said he had presents for them but wanted to give them out one at a time oh god sending all the children to their rooms simon first summoned 17 year old loretta the oldest daughter still at home Simmons strangled and held Loretta under the water in a rain barrel outside the home until she drowned. The three other children, Eddie, Marianne, and Becky, were all killed in a similar manner, one at a time. Did you say if any drugs were involved here? No, there's not. Oh, my God. Just beer. How? (laughs) Lots of beer, I guess. I don't know. I drink really good beer, really strong beer, and it doesn't do this to me. I'm just wondering how... That's what I'm saying. There's obviously... I think the, the fact that these articles included that he was a Vietnam vet, I think there's... There's something going yeah. on. It's just not yeah, all PTSD there. or something. Something's yeah, just not right. It it just blows me away. That's why I'm being so shocked. Is like the whole in a fit of rage, right? The first killing, yeah. like I'm so mad, but then waiting and then calculatingly go to your room and I'm going to call you out first and strangle you. Come on, man, that's crazy. I know it's insane. Around noon on December 26th, so it started the 22nd, remember? So yes. now this is the 26th. Mm-hmm. Boxing so day. So like we've talked about, at this point, maybe you've calmed down. <laughs> maybe no. you've like, oh yeah. my gosh, I can't believe I did all of this. Oh no, not Ronald. Wow. So like I said, around noon, the remaining members of the family arrived at the Simmons home for their planned Christmas visit with the family. The first to die was Simmons' son, Billy, and daughter-in-law, Renata, both shot dead as they entered the home in full view of their son, Trey. Trey was next to be strangled and drowned as Barbara and the other small children had been. Arriving at the house less than an hour later were daughter Sheila and her husband, Dennis McNulty, and the incestuous daughter Simmons had fathered with Sheila, Sylvia Gale. So she had the baby. (laughs) I can't imagine raising that child, but all right. And also Sheila and her husband, Dennis, had a child together and his name was Michael. Okay. So he also arrived with his family. Both Sheila and Dennis were shot not long after they entered the house. Sylvia Gale was strangled and finally grandson Michael in the same manner as the other small children had been put to death. Simmons laid the bodies of his whole family in neat rows in the living room. All the corpses were covered with coats except that of Sheila, who was laid out as if in a formal viewing state. 
covered by Mrs. Simmons' best tablecloth. The bodies of the two grandsons were wrapped in plastic sheeting and left in abandoned cars at the end of the lane. I wonder what that's about. Yeah. Maybe because they're not technically his children. I mean, who knows? I'm not going to try to pretend what was going on in this guy's mind. Right. And the fact that he, I mean, Sheila was the one that he had the incestuous relationship with. So I'm wondering if he felt more strongly for her. So that's why he laid her out. So maybe, yeah, special. I don't know. Simmons soaked the bodies in kerosene. He said he believed that it would stop the smell coming out of the ground and prevent attracting animals and people. So thoughtful. Interesting, though. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder if that really works. I mean, apparently. I wonder if hunters, maybe that's what hunters do. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. After going out for a drink in a local bar. Like you do. Like you do. (laughs) Simmons returned home later the evening of the 26th. Apparently oblivious of the corpses lined up around him, Simmons spent the next night and the following Sunday drinking beer and watching television. Hmm. He drove into the nearby town of Russellville, Arkansas on Monday the 28th with the 22 caliber pistol he'd purchased days earlier. Simmons drove to a law office and shot dead a young woman named Kathy Kendrick, age 24, who for some reason he blamed for many of his problems. So she did. She worked at a law office, like a law firm. Yeah. So I don't know if she filed paperwork against him or what the situation was, but he was not pleased with her. Yeah, maybe. 22 handgun. That's a very small bullet. Mm -hmm. I mean, you have to put it right behind the ear to the temple or something. It's not like you can shoot like the AR-15 from last week. Yeah, right. You have to. This is a precise, close range shot to kill anybody with that. So we're not having any faces turned inside out with this one. <laughs> not with a twenty-two, no. Simmons then moved on down the street to the Taylor Oil Company. Simmons shot dead a man named J.D. Schaffen, thirty-three years old, and wounded the owner. He then drove to a convenience store where he had once worked and shot and wounded two more people. So he basically went to his old jobs. Yeah killed people yeah which remember he was fired from a lot of these because of complaints about him so he's just aka being batshit crazy right probably simmons continued on to yet another office woodline motor freight company where he shot and wounded a woman but that was the end of his killing spree simmons simply sat in the office and chatted to one of the secretaries while waiting for the police when they arrived he handed over his gun and surrendered without any resistance No one at the scene that morning guessed Ronald Gene Simmons was actually winding down his killing spree. What appeared to be a contained incident of workplace violence was far worse. In fact, it had set a record. Wow. Simmons was charged with 16 counts of murder, found guilty and sentenced to death. On May 31st, Arkansas Governor Bill Clinton signed Simmons' execution warrant. And on June 25th, 1990, he died, as he had chosen to do by lethal injection. To this day, speculation runs rampant as to what Simmons' motive had been. So he never shared that with anybody. Yeah. Never something he talked about. Um, There's actually a couple books out there about this. One of them is called Zero at the Bone, the true story of the Ronald Gene Simmons Christmas Massacre. It's by Paul Williams and Bryce Marshall. Um, And they attempt to answer that question. But obviously, no motive had ever been established. And it's going to remain unanswered. Yeah. Obviously, this is a super tragic story. But I kind of feel like the most tragic part was how this family in such a small town, nobody ever noticed these obvious signs of dysfunction from them. Yeah. So I feel like that's kind of the most sad part is that these pro- people probably could have been helped. Welcome to my world that I do for a living, trying to get people to pay attention. Right. But I'm also thinking like on the school system here. And I know obviously this is in you know the 80s, so it's not as involved as I have gone through training. But I don't know how you can see these children on a daily basis and notice nothing odd psychologically, emotionally, socially. You know, these kids aren't normal children. So it's 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 what we're trained to do. Well, it's a job. So we've spoken about this on the other podcast and other just personally that things like um, autism and all those things were undiagnosed back then, because like you said, the training wasn't there for any of this stuff people just weren't paying attention school shootings weren't a big deal in the news looking for those those behaviors doing behavior assessment regularly wasn't a thing yeah and you know it is a thing now but people still don't pay attention so back then you're fighting two things it didn't really exist and people didn't pay attention right and i also feel like 
normal people, I don't want to say normal, that's not the right, like lay people, I guess is the right word, expect that all these agencies are going to catch these things. And so they kind of just, you know, let it go. It's the same thing as like, oh, I heard somebody screaming. Well, someone's going to call the police. I don't have to kind of a thing. Yeah. Um. So I kind of feel like maybe that could be part of it. But I feel like the sad fact is that these sort of things, they actually go unnoticed every day, even today. Yeah. And, so. and even even when they do get noticed, people don't want to, oh, I don't want to make a big deal about it. I don't want to get in trouble for reporting something, you know, all that stuff. So like I said, that's my world I live in every day is don't walk by the potential workplace violence person. If you see one thing that's out of whack, say something, see something, say something. Right. Yeah. And like you said, even today, people are like, oh, I'm not sure I should do anything. Yeah. It's frustrating. It is. Well, like last week, because there were so many victims, I decided I'm going to read them again to you. Um, these are in order of their death. So the first was Ronald Gene Simmons Jr. He was 29 years old. He was the son um, and he died by gunshot. Next was Rebecca Simmons. She was 46 years old. She was his wife, also a gunshot. Um, Barbara Simmons was three years old. Oh, this is granddaughter. I thought this was his daughter, but I guess this is granddaughter. Um, and she was strangled. Loretta Simmons, 17, his daughter died by strangulation. Eddie Simmons, 14, son, also by strangulation. Marianne Simmons was 11 years old. She was his daughter and it was strangulation as well. Rebecca Becky Simmons was eight years old, daughter by strangulation. William Billy Simmons II was 22 years old. He was his son, and he died by a gunshot along with his wife, Renata Simmons, who was 21 years old. William H. Trey Simmons III, he was 20 months. He was his grandson, and he was drowned. Sheila Simmons McNulty was 24 years old. Wow, she was 24 years old? Yeah. Sheesh. And she already had a six-year-old daughter, so that tells you how old she was. Yeah. There you go. Anyway, so she was his daughter. She was killed with a gunshot as well as her husband, Dennis McNulty, who was 33 years old. There, <laughs> this is funny. Well, it's not funny, but it's like funny, interesting, I guess. Yeah, I, I guess that Sylvia Gail McNulty was six years old. It says daughter and granddaughter. <laughs> <laughs> she was, <laughs> yeah, she was strangled. Michael McNulty was 21 months old. He was his grandson and was strangled. Kathleen Kathy Kendrick was 24 years old. She was just an acquaintance and she was shot. And James David or Jim Schaffin was 33 years old. He was a stranger hmm. and he was also shot. So those were the 16 victims of Ronald Gene Simmons. Rest in peace. Yes. So tragic, unfortunate. Well, Merry Christmas, everyone. Jeez. Merry Christmas. Way to brighten the mood up. I know, right? Hey, I have something just real fast for you, just to lighten the mood a little bit before we get into my I love it. wonderful Let's story. Do it. Pop quiz. Pop quiz. If you were on death row facing the death penalty, what method would you choose? Oh, I thought you were going to ask me if I would shoot the hostage. No. <laughs> what Sorry, method? speed reference there yeah, for you. What method would you choose? Probably lethal injection. I think that's probably the less painful of yeah. them. I would go firing I squad guess. old school. I don't think they do that anymore. I, I would demand it. God you damn it. Demand yeah. it. Um, sir, uh, sorry, sorry, sir. We don't do those anymore. Well, you make it happen. And I said, good day. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I want to be shot by 21 guns. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I think, I don't know. Electric chair kind of freaks me out a little bit. Well, I love getting um, anesthesia and falling asleep. And I feel like lethal injection would be the same yeah, way. I'm totally painless. You just kind of bleh. Well, I wonder if it, I mean, sorry, this is sort of morbid, so I'm bringing it back to. That's okay. Like, we had to put our dog to sleep. Yeah. So I wonder if it's something like that. I mean, he, he just seemed like he just fell asleep. Yeah, very comfortable, yeah. It was very calm and peaceful, mm -hmm. and he didn't seem in pain or anything. I'm sure lethal injection's so, the same way, yeah. The yeah. chair the chair freaks me out. I don't want to be smoking at the yeah, end of it. Well, I don't think it happens anymore, <laughs> but... I can't imagine having your brain electrocuted probably isn't yeah. very comfortable. Yeah. Anyway, what do you got for us? Well, mine is very timely. I'm going to talk to you all today about vaccines. Oh, yippee. And the history, a little bit of history of the anti-vaccine movement. So le less conspiracy, but 
they kind of go hand in hand because the anti-vaxxer group or whatever you want to call them nowadays, their misbelief is borderline conspiracy about what they think vaccines Got do it. to the body or cause autism. That's a big one that's popular nowadays about just your standard vaccines that have been proven over many years of trials and use. There is a sect of people out there that still believe that it messes up their kids. Yeah. And what I didn't know, what I missed, is that this goes back to the 1700s, apparently. Oh, wow. <laughs> this kind of feeling toward vaccines, A, being like government control and, you know, mm. kind of weird shit going on. Okay. And also it causing trouble to the children. So let's rewind a little bit and just do a quick history of vaccines. And the reason why this is timely, of course, is because the coronavirus vaccine just came out. And we'll get into a little bit of that in a second. Okay. Yeah, so I'll save it for when we get into that. But that's, right. I figured it was it was timely. So here's a short history of vaccine objection, vaccine cults, and conspiracy theories from the conversation, which is a actual like a um, oh, what am I what am I trying to say here? Like an academic type uh, newspaper. It's not a newspaper because it's online. You know what I mean? Like a publication. Periodical, yes. Yeah, like okay. a, it, but it's you know the people that wrote this are PhD candidate in history and Got a it. senior okay. lecturer. At a university. So these are smart people. Smart people. Right? It's not just some bullshit fake news writer. <clears throat> so there's a long history of opposition to childhood vaccination from when it was introduced in England in 1796 to protect against smallpox. Yes. Okay. Was that, I wonder if that was like the first vaccine. It kind of seems like it from this history. I have it in this article and another one that we'll get to in a second. Okay. Um, but they don't mention anything prior to that. And so I think. You know, just my knowledge of like the Revolutionary War time and whatever. And prior to that, I don't think there was any. I mean, back then, like in the 1600s, when you had some kind of plague, didn't they just like cut your vein and bleed it out of you? Yeah. I don't I mean, think that there was, was. Yeah. And most of your doctors were associated with the church. And all, right. there was no. Yeah, that was I don't a think there was to any, bleed out, put leeches. Yeah, I don't think there was any um, vaccine technology <laughs> available then. But 1796 seems really early to me as well. Many of the themes that played out during these kind of early conspiracies and issues still resonate today. I'm going to try to present this without letting my true feelings about vaccine, <laughs> vaccine show because this isn't the show for that. Right. But it may come out, disclaimer everybody, it may come out just a little bit that I'm all for it. <laughs> so, right. I mean, for other people, I don't like needles. So I, I'm not all for it for me because okay. of that. But. <laughs> I'm all for it. For everyone else, go go knock yourself out. You know what I'm all for? I'm all for you do you. That's what I'm all for. Yes. So, for instance, uh, back then, childhood vaccination, there was debate on whether it should be compulsory or whether it should be penalties for not vaccinating. So a lot of that's going yeah, on right, now right. with the coronavirus one about, you know, they're talking about will employers require it for you to come to work? And of course, nowadays, there's labor unions and all this other crap that's going to either fight that or be for it. Who knows? I think that if they try, if the government tries to make you get it, it's going to be riots and protests. That's just what we do nowadays. But that was a big deal um, back then. Throughout the 19th century, anti-vaxxers widely opposed Britain's compulsory vaccination laws. So they had laws for it that you must get vaccinated for smallpox. Um, leading to their effective end in 1907 when the laws were overturned, um, when it became much easier to be conscientious, a conscientious objector. Today, right. Well, with so many people vaccinated against it, it's harder to get it now. Right. Because not that many people have it. So right. it's easier to say, oh, well, I'm just not going to have it. Exactly. Today, the focus in Australia has turned to no jab, no pay or no jab, no play, policies linking childhood vaccination to welfare payments or children uh, childcare attendance. Mm. So we've seen that here as well. I mean, this year, at least in Massachusetts, kids were, you had to, you had to get a flu shot to return back to school. Right. And it's a public school thing that you must be vaccinated or you can't attend school. Right. So. Um, of course, the methods of vaccine objectors used to discuss their position has changed quite a bit thanks to the devil social media. Yeah. Back then, you had to have a town crier or something. I don't know what they did in 1796. A traveling troubadour. Um, right. Exactly. <laughs> to come sing to you about vaccines yes. or, or the lack thereof. But now you just jump on your Twitter, your Facebook, or even some of your dark web ones like we talked about going way back to episode one with the QAnon thing. Mm -hmm. There is um, all kinds of 
delivery methods for your bullshit out there today. So that's definitely changed things. In 19th century Britain, the only vaccine widely available to the public was against smallpox. Vaccination involved making a series of deep cuts to the arm of the child into which the doctor would insert matter from the wound of a previously vaccinated child. Okay, so as a parent, I'm going to say new to this vaccine. Yeah, hard no on that one. Especially our child who has to physically be held down and restrained to get a vaccine. It gets better. Oh, great. These open wounds left many children vulnerable to infection. Yeah, duh. Blood poisoning and gangrene. Parents and anti-vaccination campaigners alike described the gruesome scenes that often accompanied the procedure, like this example from Royal Cornwall Gazette from December of 1886. This is a quote. Some of these poor infants have been born of pillows for weeks, born with an E decaying alive before death ended their sufferings. So it sounds like back then the vaccine might have been worse than getting the disease, but this is right. that was the technology back then. So from a standpoint like back then, I think I would probably be anti-vaccination as well. Well, it sounds less like vaccination to me and more like mutilation, but Right. I mean it also sounds like there's more of a chance that your child could also die from this. Whereas like nowadays we get our smallpox vaccine and there's just no, it you know, there's. Well, you don't get smallpox vaccine anymore, right? Do they still do that? I don't think so. There's chickenpox vaccine, right? I thought there was. I Maybe thought, not. I guess I don't know what they're what they I all think are. Smallpox was actually eradicated. eradicated? But, okay, so I could be wrong. But you, you make a good point, though. Think about the new coronavirus one and even the flu. People claim that, oh, it makes me it, I was doing fine. I go get the vaccine and now I'm sick. Right. Or I have flu like symptoms. Well. Understanding how a vaccine works, that's possible. But, you know, to your point, you get the flu shot now, you're not getting gangrene or something else yeah, and dying. And arms not going to fall so, off or whatever. Do you, right. I'm sorry, I don't mean to stop you. That's quite all right. I'm wondering if your mom had it. My mom had it. And I remember a couple other women her age that had it. There's a scar on their shoulder, like a really bad scar. And she said it was a, from, from a vaccine. I'll have to ask her what it was from. Um, polio, maybe? I don't know. I think polio was still a thing when they were younger. I think I heard my mom saying either something about a vaccine or having to get checked for it in school. I don't know. Like but so my, I asked checks. my mom about it because it's a bit, it's a big scar. I like think it's really polio. Big. And I asked her about it and she said, oh, it's from a vaccine. A lot of people have this. And I was like, that's really interesting. I think my mom does have one now that you say that. And I've seen it on your mom, too. Yeah, it's just on her shoulder, like where you would get a vaccine. Right, right. I think it's polio. I'm pretty certain it's polio. We'll have to look that up and get back to the audience. So some conspiracy theories and vaccine cults. Side effects were so widespread that many parents refused to vaccinate their children, as well as having your arm mutilated. And letters to the editors show they became convinced the medical establishment and the government were aware of the dangers of the vaccine and just did it anyway. If this was the case, why was vaccination compulsory? The answer for many could be found in a conspiracy theory. So I just looked it up. Yes. It's both the smallpox and the BCG vaccines leave a scar on the upper arm. Well, there you go. Yeah. It says scars like the smallpox vaccine scar form due to the body's natural healing process. When the skin is injured, like it is with the smallpox vaccine, the body rapidly responds to repair the tissue. Interesting. Interesting. So now every time that's the mark of the smallpox. Yes. The mark of <laughs> a pox on you. A pox on you. So some of these letters to the editor argued doctors had conned the government into enforcing compulsory vaccination so they could reap the financial benefits. Oh, yeah. We still hear that today, especially with this coronavirus one. Everyone's thinking somebody's getting a kickback from this. Whether it's Bill Gates or Trump himself, who knows? After all, public vaccinators were paid a fee for each child they vaccinated, so people believed compulsory vaccination must have been introduced to maximize doctors' profits, as this example from the Wilshire Times in February of 1894 shows. What are the benefits of vaccination? Salaries and bonuses to public vaccinators. These are the benefits, while the individuals who have have to endure the operation— it's called an operation back then, based on what we said. Wow, yeah. Also have to endure the evils which result from it. Health shattered, lives crippled, or destroyed. Are these benefits? Yeah. This sounds very much like the anti-vax rhetoric you hear today. 
And then some of the other theories that this article goes into, I won't read them, is um, things like individual rights. Yeah. Again, a recurring theme of what we hear today. So my next source material is another, um, I don't know why I can't think of this. It's the type of article, a scholarly article. That's okay. What I, that's what I wanted to say. <laughs> You're looking at me yes. like, that's not what I thought it was. <laughs> that's what it is. I was what? like, blog? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> no, see, that's what I want to... <laughs> That's what I'm trying to convey here is this is like legit material. This is not it. Billy Bob's blog or, you know, USA Today. This is like a legit <laughs> scholarly medical nice article. There. Yes. <laughs> so <laughs> so this is called um, The Golden Age of Anti-Vaccine Conspiracies. And it's out of a online news thing called Germs from 2017. Appropriately named. Germs. Conspiratorial beliefs have become endemic among anti-vaccination groups. Opposition to vaccination is not new. As we just said, it dates back to the Victorian age. Fear and controversy accompanied by the introduction of every new vaccine ever since the 18th century. This has been compounded in recent years, like I said, by social media. So now every crazy mom that thinks it gave their kid autism or whatever gets onto Twitter and that's what people look at. And there was even a study done that showed that YouTube videos that are more negative toward vaccines are more likely to get likes. Right. So okay. those are getting the most views. So whether it's true or not, that's the information that's continually showing up. And based on the okay. social media algorithms, which I think we've spoken about before. Right. That's what you, if you search anything, side effects of coronavirus vaccine, you're going to get all the negativity and very little positive, unfortunately. So you have to go out and look for that. All right. We're good with that one. That one was basically about what I was just talking about, how social media has played a negative influence. So now on to the current events. And this is out of a fake news outlet, <laughs> if you believe in fake news, more of a mainstream media Got it. Um, out of WBUR here in Boston, I believe. And this is from December. So this is about the coronavirus vaccine, which is now available to, I think right now, just front healthcare workers. workers, frontline workers and um, nursing homes. So old people and frontline workers. Okay. I think in most states have their own kind of rollout thing. In this state, it phase two goes into essential workers, which is you. Yay. Yay me. So we're going to get to see, I'm going to get to see if you grow a third eye or something before <laughs> I get it. And hopefully they'll have the mist by then because I don't like needles. No, not gonna. <laughs> Public experts. I wish this was my pun, but this is from the article. Public experts agree it's our best shot. Ha. See what I did there? That or what they really did there? Good. That was at good. ending this pandemic. But as the virus spreads, so does the anti-vaccine movement. Mm -hmm. It is crazy strong right now. I haven't seen it yeah. this popular since the whole crazy. Jenny McCarthy autism thing. Like right now it is hot. Everybody is in. Like, I'll see a news story about this on my social media and it is literally probably 70, 30. No way am I getting that. I'm not rolling up my sleeve. Make the make Fauci get one first. Just all this hate toward. Yeah. All this stuff that's just not accurate. There's a couple scientists and doctors out there telling you like, hey, pull your head out of your ass. This is real science. Um, but nobody's listening. Yeah. Or at least not on social media, which is I feel unfortunate. like sometimes people just want something to be upset about. So, Yeah, we've had a whole year of that. But it's like, this is science. It's backed by science. It's going to get us out of this. Just go do it. Right? I guess now I'm on my soapbox. Like I said, I wouldn't do. <laughs> I'll, I'll just say that. Like I said, the anti-vaccine movement stronger than ever. And uh, we're kind of in a golden age of conspiracies right now, I would say. Again, thanks to social media, a, a lot of that. There's so many out there, like we've talked about before with the election and coronavirus in general. It's just, it's really bad out there. The market's flooded with conspiracy theories everywhere. It's great timing to do this show yeah, because hey. there's lots of info out there. Lots of material. Um, but this was something I found very interesting from this article. Anti-vaccine books now top the search list on Amazon and Barnes and Noble websites. Hmm. I don't know if that's accurate. That seems like a stretch. A <laughs> I just feel like most of the anti-vaxxers aren't big readers, obviously, because they're not willing to read the science. Right. So I'm, I'm surprised by that. I'm not sure if that's fake news or not, but that's what it says here. And this is the shocking stat to me is it says that 31 million people now follow anti-vaccine Facebook groups and 17 million subscribe to anti-vaccine YouTube accounts. 
So that's scary to me because if if this vaccine for coronavirus is the way out of the pandemic, that's a lot of people that are probably not going to get it unless there is some kind of compulsory law like we spoke about. Yeah. And I just don't see 20, 21st century America doing that. I don't see that ever getting passed. Well, so, I mean, in, I don't know. Yeah, it's crazy. So, I mean, anti-vaccine messages are often shared on pages that primarily focus on something else. So it's like people aren't even looking for this. It's just you go to something about, I don't know, political and this pops up. Yeah. And so then you start going down that rabbit hole of reading it and it starts to poison your mind a little bit. That's where most of this is coming from. Studies have shown, which is unfortunate. If you're really looking for it, then fine. But if if you're just stumbling across it and the propaganda is getting you there. The anti-vaccine movement is reaching people on both sides of the aisle. So this is no longer like a right wing wacko thing. It's both sides. The right wing people are saying that this is government control, blah, blah, blah. The left wing people are saying that Trump's going to inject some kind of bad thing into you to kill you. Equal bullshit on both sides. Um, It's got none of those things in it. Like we said before, these theories all sound very outlandish, right? I mean, one of them even says that they're going to inject a 5G wire into you. (laughs) One of them says they're going to inject a microchip into you so they can track you. This goes way beyond like it's going to cause autism or some kind of other side effect. Right. They actually think they're going to inject like Matrix style tracking shit into us. The vaccine's safe. So be careful what you read. Um, The movement is alive and well, so try not to go down that anti-vax highway. And all I can tell you is if you have those strong feelings about autism or anything else, especially around this vaccine, just do some research. Yes, research and make your opinion informed. Yeah, do the right research. If you research and you still truly feel like this is just not right for you, then do you. But but make it informed, not YouTube and... (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. People that insist but have no documentation. Yes, there's plenty of medical journals out there. There's some legit doctors on social media. If that's how you consume your information, do it that way. But just do the correct research. Don't be like all these people have been since 1796. Well, I kind of feel like the people in 1796 had a reason to not want to have a vaccine. That sounded pretty horrifying. Well, I'm glad you said that because that's exactly the point. I'm anti-vax 1796. I'm glad you said that because that's exactly (laughs) the point I'm trying to make is back then you had something to be worried about. Now you don't really. Right. Move the F on and get the shot. That's my story. Okay. All right. All right. Well, if you want any more information, pictures about these cases, please be sure to follow us on social media at How Did We Miss That? And a big thank you goes for our theme composition to audioanywhereproductions.com. And we will see you next week. Until then, keep your head up and look out for each other. Bye.